Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara. I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture. And we are actually in the middle of filming some new, exciting resources that will be released in the fall. In the meantime, we would love for you to listen to this session that my mom spoke on hope back in January. And we will see you guys next week. Well, let me tell you something. I got so excited. So do you remember last year when I told y'all about my no note dot? Y'all remember that I said I was no note dot? Well, what happened was I told the team, that uh, Kara, that I was going to have all my notes on an iPad. Now, if you know me, you know anything internet, any kind of computer, they just shut down. Like, I'm surprised Apple will let me in the store. Like, you know, like, in the mall. I mean, you know, so, so anyway, so they got a little panic that I was going to have my notes on the iPad, and I thought, I'm going to have these notes, I'm going to have my outline. And my, so Kara, she gets a little nervous about that. So I get into my room, because we're talking about being real before God and being transparent and being honest. And um, anyway, the long story short is that the Lord was like, you're telling them to be uh, honest and transparent, and you're not. And I was about to go to bed. Now, that wasn't anything I really was, I like, God, I didn't know I was talking to you. But I thought I was going to bed. But you know, but the, you know how things come in your head kind of thing? And so I'm like, got my attention. I'm like, okay, God, where am I not? So I decided I better get out of bed because if I was going to teach, might want to get right with God. And so I decided to get out of bed. And so while I was praying about it, it was about my notes, that I was going to have this iPad. I was going to have my notes. And what I realized, what God was really showing me, was I was going to depend on my notes and my outline. Anyway, so I repented and I said, okay, that's it. I'm not having any more notes. I'm done. I'm not having any more notes. But so I decided, so they started calling me the no note dot. And um, so I got right with God, and it was a great retreat. Well, I have these little cards that I have these verses that I was going to read, and I'm sitting over there with my sister, and I'm looking for these cards. And I cannot find them anywhere, so I don't have the cards. So I say to my sister, I don't have my notes now, she wasn't here last year. She didn't know I was not supposed to have notes. So she, um, and, um, and she's like, I'll go to the room and get them. Get them. Tell me, come on, give me, give me your key. I don't have the key. <laughs> anyway, so she's panicking over here. Sisters, there are a lot of sisters here. A lot of sisters, so you know what I'm talking about. So I've told her what to do, when to do it, and how to do it all her life. So I don't know why she's thinking, I'll go get and take care of you, because I've had to take care of her all of her life, and she doesn't know it. But, but what I've had to say is this, is that I decided to use her phone, and I text Kara, I don't have my notes. So if y'all saw her coming down here, she's like, what do you need? Anyway, so I'm sitting over here and trying to worship. Caroline, you did a great job. I mean, I, but I am laughing. Because I'm like, God, you will not let me just get up there and act like I know what I'm doing. He, it was like, it was like I'm, just, I'm literally laughing. And I'm praying, and I'm like, God, you, you just, I want to act like I'm professional. You know, like, like I'm a, like a professional speaker. And it was just like, you're not. <laughs> and so stop acting like that. 
And so, anyway, so I don't have these. I've got some verses I think. Carib sent me up some. So I'm going to try to read these verses. But I just wanted to say that I'm over there. If you saw me over there and you're thinking, she is the happiest person here. Um, like, she is just worshiping. And I really was worshiping, but it was in a different way. Because it was like, I was like, God, you crack me up. Like, you just will not let me think I know what I'm doing. And I have a short leash. It's like God, about the minute I think I've got it all together, I can't find it. And I couldn't find my notes. So I'm just glad you're here. Now, let me tell you what I am so thrilled about, and that is that you are away from your busy schedule. The reason we do what we do is because what we want for you is to get away from your world as much as you can. Some of you brought your world with you, and I love that. But part of your, your busyness and, and just the way that your life is, isn't it hard to get along with God? Isn't it hard to get focused and think about God? And so this is why we do what we do. Because for me, for many, many years, I was so busy for God. I was working for Him. He, you know, I, it was just like as if... For some reason, I didn't know that I was thinking this, but over time, God kind of showed me that I was just like getting the attitude, God, I bet you're really proud that I'm on your team. <laughs> you know, because I was so busy for him. I was so doing for him. And then life happened, and life wasn't going so well. And you know, as we talk about hope tonight and uh, this weekend, we're going, to talk, we're going to kind of build a little bit, but life began to happen, and things weren't going so well as I thought that I thought that it should. I don't know if y'all have ever felt that way. Have you ever told God what to do, and has, has he done it? I like to talk to you, because he's never taken a suggestion I've had yet. And so, and, and so life started happening, and I began to realize without knowing that I was doing this, God had a way of revealing some things in my heart, and really and truly being so busy for God and doing for God and working in ministry and doing different things all my life, what I didn't realize is that I began to get an attitude of that God owed me something. It was an entitlement. And when I began to pray and God wasn't doing and, and listening and answering my prayer the way I wanted him to, I'm like, do you not know what all I'm doing for you? And, and, and you, can you believe you're here to hear me? I mean, you're like, what kind of woman would get up here and say that? The right one that knows, that God knows. So if God loves me, you're just going to have to deal with me. But here's what I want you to know, is that what I found, and this is so true, what I found is busyness, doing for God. Now, I don't, trust me, I'm busy. But now it's different. I, I'm doing it with him, not for him. That he is, I do want to lay it at his feet. I do want to say, you know, God, here's the retreat. Here's breathe. Here's the ladies. Here's, I don't know where my verses are. They're at his feet somewhere. But where I'm saying is this, is that, you know, it, it gets to a point of God, I just, I'm, I'm desperate for you. I got to have you. And if you've never been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you don't know that you're hungry until you're starving. 
and you don't know you're thirsty until you're so dehydrated there's nothing there left. And I did not love God with all of my heart and soul. I was serving him, I thought. I wasn't getting a crown one in heaven because I was doing it for the whole different reasons. God said, I just want you to love me with all your heart and soul. Then we'll worry about you doing something. And so that's why we do. We want you to get away with the Lord in our prayer. And we've been praying for you. We've got a prayer team. We've got a prayer room. Oh, my God. Goodness, you've got to go in that prayer room. It just draws, you know, we've been praying for you on the hour we've been in here, praying for everyone that's going to sit here. We've been reading scripture in here. We've been calling upon God to do something because you know what? I can't change my life. You can't change yours. And your only hope is him. And the only way that you're going to fall in love with him is to get to know him. And getting to know him is through the scripture. It is not through ministry. I'm just, now you're like, well, why is she in ministry? That's a good question. (laughs) But you know what? Here's the thing. As I said at the very beginning, that I'm not, you know, I'm laughing. I'm like, God, I can't even act like I know what I'm doing. But here's what, here's what I found that God wants me to love him. And it is a journey. And, it is, it, and, I, and he's got to give me the desire to love him. And there's sometimes you just got to say, God, I just need you to give me the desire to love you. I know that we're all in different places, and I understand that. But what God wants is he wants you. He died for you. And as I think about what we're going to be talking about today, what I've been praying for and what I want for you is for you to get away and be some, along with him. That's what, and we'll talk about the covenant of silence and all these things that we're doing, talking about today. And we're going to build. But what I want you to do is to ask God to help you forget what you left. Forget what's you got to do. You know your to-do list. If you've got children and you've left you with, with your husband, they're going to live, I think. <laughs> you know, Kayla, um, Kayla, she's my granddaughter that's here, and she's having pregnant and gave me the cutest great-grandson. Now I'm going to have another cute grandson. I'm sure he's cute, but he's in the womb. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm assuming he's cute. But anyway, but so we were... Uh, they came a couple of days ahead, and so I was, you know, he grabs my hand and wants to walk me to the cab, you know, to the pantry because I, I feed him. That's just what I do. And I don't feed him Brussels sprouts. And so he's always, and so I gave him some fruit and cocktail, and his hands are all sticky. And I went into the room, and my husband said, his hands are sticky. Then wash them. He's like, oh. So I said to Kayla, should we leave them with him? And uh, she said, I just want to make sure they're alive. I I just want him to live when I get back. And so I don't know if you've left your children with somebody that you're hoping that they're alive when you get back or whatever your schedule is or whatever's going on in your life. What I'm praying for you is that you kind of 
cut it out a little bit, and ask God to focus your eyes on him. Now, what I'm about to read is some scripture. And I want to read these to you because I, I want to ask you as I read this, I want you to really listen. I care about them. They're up here. So they're up here. Listen to this. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? We believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly Father. Your greatness of power. Now remember, he said, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward you who believe? Then it says, for if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who will receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, you're reigning in life. And listen to this. No, in all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him. Who, that's you. Did you know that? And, and then listen, to, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphant procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge everywhere. When I read these and when I read that and when I was reading these, I thought to myself, who are you talking about? And, and as I began to, to realize that when you're opening up the scripture, that when God says you are more than a conqueror, you know what he's saying? You're more than a conqueror. And, and as I would read those things and I was thinking about what was going on in my life, I'm thinking, I'm trying to survive. I'm going down for the third time. And, and I was like, God, and I began over the past year, for many months, I've been praying about that. God, you say that I'm more than a conqueror. You say that I'm reigning. You're saying that I have the power to endure. And I don't know about you, but for me, what was going on in my life, I didn't feel that way. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and I said to the Lord, I literally said as I was reading that, who are you talking about? And he said, you. I'm talking about my children. He's talking about you. And, and as I began to really think about our hope and, and I began to think about breathe and, and what we were going to talk about and I started looking at these verses. I'm like, what? How, how do we bridge the gap? How, how can this truth become my reality? How can I face, no matter what I am facing, this is what God's saying to you. Now, I don't know what you're facing. But whatever you're facing, he's saying, because you have Christ, that you're, more, you're not just getting by. And I don't know about you, but I don't, if that's available to me, I want it. I'm that selfish. If God has provided for me to be more than a conqueror, I want to be more than a conqueror. And so as I began to, to ask God, God, 
how do we bridge the gap? Because what I'm experiencing and what you're telling me, there's a gap. And so as we enter this weekend, what I'm asking you, because I've done this, and I'm telling you, God will meet you there. You start asking him some questions, he's got some answers. You may not want to hear them, but I'm telling you, he's got some answers. And you know what? When God begins to grab hold of your heart, and when you begin to open up the scripture, and you begin to listen to what God has to say for you, honey, you're not going to be the same. Many years ago, God grabbed hold of my heart. I'll never forget it. I remember I was going away from God. And I didn't want God. It was that moment I was entitled and life wasn't turning out the way I wanted it to. I prayed and asked God to do something and he said, no. And I, and I got mad. And so I started to, to walk away from God. And I don't know if you've ever tried to walk away from him, but you think you're miserable with him? Try to walk away from him. And, and as I began to, to walk away from God, I was more miserable, more miserable, more miserable, and God would not let me go. And he started grabbing me and grabbing me and drawing me closer to him through my misery. And we're going to talk about that this weekend. But I remember hearing Dr. Stanley turned, uh, turned on the TV, and he said, you are forgiven. He didn't say, if you know Christ, you're forgiven. He said, you are forgiven. And I don't know what happened. But I was sitting on that sofa, and I found myself face down on my face, crying, God, is that true? Is it true? And I began to feel forgiven for the first time. Women, I've been, in ministry, I've been in working in church for years. But for the first time, I really felt that I'd been forgiven. And I felt his love. And I felt his embrace. And I've never gotten over it. And I don't want to. I, I haven't told many people this, but I've had the privilege just recently to go see Dr. Stanley. I've known him. We're very close. He thinks I'm crazy. And I am. But I said to him, I held his hand, and someone videoed it for me. And I told him that story. And I said, there was a man that was sitting, preaching on TV, that said, you're forgiven. And I fell on my face, and I said, Dr. Stanley, you were that man. God used you. And I've never gotten over it. He cried, we cried. And I said, because of your obedience to the truth, my husband and I have saved our marriage. We have children that have given their lives to the Lord. I've got grandchildren giving my life, their lives to the Lord. And it's gen generational. You never know what God's going to do. But as you begin to really get a hold of God and you begin to say, God, I need to know you like that. I need to know that you love me. 
I need to know that you care. I need to feel your presence and your embrace. I want to tell you something. You're going to find hope. That's your hope. If you, I'm going to go, this, no, no speaker does this, but I'm going to tell you right. Because you could go to sleep, but I'm, before you go to sleep, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is your hope. There's the bottom line. And, and as I began to, to talk and think and pray about hope and think about what we're going to talk about, I turned to Hebrews 6. And, and as I was reading it, it says, there are two things that Jesus can't do. God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. You know what that means? He cannot lie and still be God. And so when I read you that you're more than a conqueror, when I read you that, that you are to reign with him and, and, and that you have the power to endure, he cannot lie. He says there are two things. I love this. I get so excited. He says there are two things. God cannot lie. He said, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement. The writer of Hebrews, they writing to these, these Christians that were uh, being persecuted. It, you Don't miss that. We who have fled for refuge. In other words, things weren't going well. They were running for their lives. And it says that we were running. But guess what? We have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. What's the hope set before you? That we have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place. You know what the inner place is? That's where God is. The most high inner place. Remember the tabernacle? Remember where only the high priest could go in and meet with God. And Jesus, who is our high priest, that's what the Hebrews is talking about. He entered into that place. And now Jesus enters into our inner places, into our soul, the anchor of our soul, where our emotions are. You feel like I'm an emotional wreck. That's emotion. That doesn't mean you don't have hope. It means you're human. Wasn't Jesus an emotional wreck in Gethsemane? And so we often think that our faith and our hope is based on our feelings, but it's not. And what the writer of Hebrews is the anchor of our hope, the anchor of our soul, that inner place, not just that spiritual place. Of course he reigns there. That's where he lives. The Holy Spirit enters into our spirit. But ladies, I guess you're not going to believe this. But God is, can be the anchor, what you hold on to when you are an emotional wreck. It doesn't mean you don't trust him. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It means you care about something. It means that you have a desire. And, you know, we have this idea of there's two 
things. There's a biblical, a cultural desire, and a cultural desire is a desire that is not, it, it can change. It is, it is like a wishful thinking. I just wish this would happen. Oh, I just, you know, I just want this to happen. That's cultural. That's not what God is talking about. That's not hope. What hope is about, what hope is in, is unchangeable. It is on the promises of God. Our hope is in Jesus. He doesn't change. Do you get what I'm saying here? And so when we drop our anchor into hope, into Jesus, when everything that we have, when our lives start falling apart, God, I'm trusting you. I'm putting my hope in you. Do you know why we are not, we feel so hopeless? It's where we're putting our anger. What are you hoping in? Who are you hoping in? And, and as I began to, to look at my life, I began to know and realize, God, I was hoping that they would change. I was hoping that would change. I was hoping I'd change. I would hope that my circumstances would change. And as I read here, the anchor of my soul, Jesus, you never change. You're the same today and forever. And I began to realize that my only hope, ladies, your only hope, if you want hope, and hope and faith is very similar, but it's different. Hope is something that I trust, I believe in. Faith is my response to that. So it's like a rope on this. It's like the chain. So Jesus, the anchor of my soul, Jesus is here. And the way that I put that down and the way how I anchor that, how you, you know, like a boat, it anchors you put your boat there. I was, I was sitting on the beach, and I saw this boat, and it was just sitting there. And it was, it was a good day. It wasn't a stormy day. But if it didn't have the anchor, it still float away. But when it's a storm, you need an anchor. And so when you're putting your anchor down, how do you do that? By faith. And faith is that I God, I don't have to figure it all out. Faith is I am responding to the truth that I know. And that is that Jesus, because, now you got to listen to this. This is, this is huge. Because of the resurrection, you have hope. In Hebrews, it says, he entered in the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become the high priest. When, when we begin to realize that when you look at Scripture and it's talking about hope, it's always connected to the resurrection. Why? Why, why, why would the, why, when you're thinking about hope, Having hope, do you know if you don't have hope, 
you know, do you know that Paul talks about that a person that doesn't have hope, he said, if we only are hoping in this life only and not in the resurrection, not in the future, if our hope is only in this, we are people most pitied. We're pathetic is what Paul is saying. So if our hope is in this world right now, go turn on CNN. Well, don't. Turn. Oh, never mind. Um, but what I want to say is this, is if your hope is in your world, if your hope is in what's going on in your world and you're hoping it'll change, what Paul said, you're going to be pathetic because your hope is in Jesus. And it is because the resurrection What makes Jesus the resurrection? Do you know there were two people that died next to Jesus? When Jesus was crucified, the cross was a way of form of, of, it's like what we would send in prison or the uh, electric chair or whatever they do these days. That's their way of killing the criminals. So a cross, the cross, as much as I'm thankful for the cross, trust me, I'm thankful for the cross. But that didn't prove he was God. What proved Jesus is God was the resurrection. If they find the body, we're in trouble. But they didn't. And and as I began to study and to think about hope and the resurrection, I began, you know what God is telling me and you? What problem do you have that I can't solve? You know, it's not that I don't think he can do it. I'm just not real sure he will. And we're going to talk about that this weekend too. But for tonight, let's just settle the issue. And, and, And what I wrote in my Bible is this. If I really believe this, God, how would I live? If I really believe that you are God and that I can overcome anything that you ask me to go through because I have the resurrection power within me, not because I'm strong, not because I read scripture, not because I pray, not because I give to the poor, not because I'm a good mother, not well, my kids are here, not because I'm a good wife, none of those things. If you are dependent upon anything that you do to give you hope and to make you feel like you can make it happen and it can, that life can turn out, you are going to be so disappointed. But if you knew and you believed with all of your heart that Jesus is God and that his spirit lives within you, honey, you're going to win. It may look like you're going down for the third time, but you're not. Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you. He got out of the boat. You don't get out of the boat unless God says come to you. But if he says come to me, you're not going to fall down. Peter grabbed his hand. Why? He was going down. Why? 
because Peter started looking at his circumstances. Oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. Do you want to live like God says you should live? Do you want to face every single day as if God really meant that he has given you the power to endure, the power to overcome? Not much more. You're much more than conquerors. You're not just getting by. I started reading that, and I started thinking, God, I'm not living it. I don't know that I believe it because I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm afraid. God, I'm waiting. Have you ever done this? We're going to talk about this this weekend. Are you waiting on the shoe to fall? Are you waiting on about the time you grab his hand, he lets you go down for the third time? And I begin to think about my view of God. I'm like, what in the world? God, you've been faithful to me. God, you saved me. Do you remember what I told you? That I, that I bowed before him and I cried. And I said, God, am I forgiven? He said, yes, sugar pie. Does he talk to you like that? <laughs> Baby, you're forgiven. That's what the cross was about. But you have been empowered. And that's what the resurrection's about. You can't have a resurrection without the death. But the resurrection is what gives you and what gives me hope. He is our hope. He is worthy of our praise. He is God Almighty. And ladies, I can tell you from experience, I've lived it, and you'd be shocked at what you can go through if you just let God do it in and through you. You know why we are so defeated? Because we try to be who we're not. We're not God. Jesus is our hope. He's the anchor of our soul. He's all that we need. He may not be all you want, but he's all you need. And what I pray so often is, God, I know that you're all that I need but I want you to be all that I want. And that's hard, isn't it? And that's why we get so discouraged, because we want other things. Now, do you think that God doesn't want to give you other things? The other day, um, you know, Kara and I do this crazy thing called podcast, and that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, but we do, and we were talking about this. And if you talk to any of my kids, and my kids are here, my grandkids are here, and I meet with my grandkids, mentor them, and sit with them, and they're all back there, and I can tell you right now, they could probably repeat what I'm about to say. But I say to them all the time, God does not withhold what is best from his children. 
Don't I say that to you kids? All the time. God never withholds what is best for his children. Ever. And one day I was praying about my view of God. And as I was doing the recording on the thing, I had to confess. I said, I began to think, God, you're trying, I don't believe that you are really giving what I think is best. And I began to wrestle with my view of God. In Matthew, it says, you who are evil want to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly Father want to give good gifts to them? And God began to, to, this is what he does when I start to read these things. Do you believe that? You teach it. You tell your kids. You tell your grandkids. Do you believe it? You know how's the best way you know if you believe it or not? Let him withhold something. And, and I begin, and this is what I want, as you, this weekend, this is what I want. Let's stop playing church. And let's start being real before God. And stop saying all the things that you say, those words at church, like give glory to God and all that. I mean, I, I think you should say those things if you mean them. But isn't it easier to say things with our mouth than to believe it in our heart? And you know, I just began to, to as I've prayed for you and I've prayed for myself, you know, I, Kara said, she said, I thought when I knew you were going to teach on hope, I was going to get so excited because, yay, we're going to all have hope. Because we have to live, you know, we have to live what we're going to teach. That's just the way it works with me. I can't just read it and teach it and it's going to be so good. I got to live that thing out. And I thought, well, this time I'm, I'm praying. Now, next year I'm going to pray on uh, abundance I, I, or something. Like, you know, uh, you know, the riches of his inheritance. I don't know. But, um, but so, uh, you know, and so we're having, and, and I said, you know, Kara, I would, and and. and, and I'm not, I wasn't flooding for my life when I read Hebrew, so don't give me that. But it's probably been the hardest year I've had. And I've had some hard ones. Okay, it may be not the hardest, but it's not been good. And, and I be in care because weren't we going to be talking about hope here? And, and I found myself feeling so hopeless, so hopeless. And you know, you got to be careful because you know where hopeless goes? To despair. And you know what despair is? Despair is when you can't see anything good ever is going to come out of that. And that's where it's dangerous. And so as I began to, to pray and ask God about this hope, I began to, to really look at wrestling with me. And that's why I want to encourage you. I'm not asking you to do anything that God hasn't asked me to do. And I don't think God's asked you to do anything he hasn't experienced in Jesus. Jesus went to Gethsemane and he said, Father, is this your will? Did we, did we ever have plan B? And he said, okay, okay, your will be done. He understands about having to, that tension of knowing what God's will is and wanting to do it. He, he understands that. 
But as I began to began to deal with where my heart was when things were really, God began to send me to these verses, and I want you to listen to them. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on his throne, who lives forever and ever. And the 24 elders fell down before him who is seated on his throne and they worshiped him, who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and exist. Do you hear what he's saying? That in Revelation, that all the, the people, the angels, all they're casting, they're seeing. John said, I looked, and in heaven, there is one sitting on the throne. He looked like he was slain. He was standing up. Someone that's slain, a lamb that was slain, isn't standing. But a living lamb that was slain is standing. And, and as I began to, to read, I would read these, and he went and he looked and he saw the scroll and at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You want to know where your prayers are? God, are you listening? Yeah, baby, I'm holding them. And it says, here. And, he said, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll. They were like, John was up there, and John said, he started to weep. He said, who? There's, who can open up the scrolls? There's no one worthy to take and open up the scroll. I think John, I think John wanted to be that one. I think John was like, let me open it up. There's someone that needs to open it up. Oh, let me. John began to weep. He said, I want to open it up for you, Jesus. Remember John, the apostle? He loved Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And Jesus said, and in the, in John says, but I couldn't because I'm not worthy. As good as the Apostle John, as, as a man that walked with God, a man that loved God, Jesus called him his beloved, or either John called him, I'm his beloved. Peter believed it. But as, as I began to, to read it, it says, no one's worthy. No one's worthy. He says, you are worthy. You're worthy to take this scroll and to open the seals. And as I began to read this, it says, And worthy is the Lamb who is like to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory forever and ever. And as I began to flip through Revelation, I began to think, God, we win. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. And I know that we have been able to just, there's been so much stuff. There's so much oppression. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much fear that's going on. There, we don't know what's going to happen. They talk about inflation. They talk about uh, COVID. They talk about not getting your medicine. They're talk, they talk about all this stuff. And I go, what's going on? He's like, the end of the world, baby. And he's, it's like God was saying, 
But you know, yes, you do win. You do. We win. Well, you know, I get the last word. Even with, you know, the battle, the, the Gethsemane, the battle at Armageddon, it's not a fight. If you read that, he just says the word. Jesus just kills him right there. And, you know, you can imagine when Jesus died on the cross and he went and he took the keys of death. He says, Satan, that now you're, you're known for death. I'm taking it. I'm life. And as I began to think about why would I put my hope when I'm not supposed to be here, that one day my hope is in him, that this is just, I'm passing through. And as I began to read and I began to say, God, we win, we win. He said, honey, you've already won. You're just going to be able to celebrate it. Now, how would your life be if you believed that? How would you face whatever you have to face to say, that can't, that's not going to get me down. God, you take care of it. You're my defender. God, you handle that. God, you're the one that has the power to do that. You deal with that. And so as we, you know, just, that's what they're doing. They're, they're laying it at his feet. And that's what I want you to do. That's what I have to do. You just have to go and say, God, I don't know how you're going to handle this, but I'm just going to let you. Do you know what I'm talking about? How would your life be if you really did that? And you know, we just pick it right back up. And you know when you pick it right back up, you know what you do? You just put it back down. And it could be your exercise program. You could just put it down and pick it up. Put it down and pick it up. Put your heart rate monitor on. And God, how many times do I have to do this? Honey, until you quit. But as long as you're trusting me, and put it down. And I, and I just want to, as we close tonight, and as, you know, Caroline starts, you know, I, I just, I love this. Um, I guess I read this, I probably read this, weekly. I I just want you to think about this. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what happened to a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and his image and the number of his name, standing beside the sea of glass, with harps of God in their hands, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. You alone are holy. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.